Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. And I want to welcome to today's program of Calvary Live. My name is Jeff Figgs. I pastor Calvary Chapel Greeley in northern Colorado up in Weld County. And I'll be taking your questions and prayer requests for the next hour. As you just heard at the beginning of the show, that you can call me at 303-690-3000 and ask questions about the Bible, or maybe you have questions about uh, Christian living or current events that we see going on around us. How do we respond to those things? Uh, How do we have a a Christian worldview in response to our culture? I'd love to be able to take you to the Word of God, to take you to the truth of, of the Lord, to encourage you. I'm also taking prayer requests. If you need prayer, please give me a call. This show is not only to answer your questions, but to minister to you uh, in praying for you. And together, we all go to the throne of grace, as Hebrew chapter 4 says, in time of need. And so I want to be able to do that for you. Uh, It's good to grab one of those open lines at the beginning of the show, 303-690-3000. Also, there is a text line for you to be able to text in a question or a prayer request, and as time allows us, uh, we will go to that text line that I get, and so text me in a question. That number is 720-336-0897. Again, the text line is 720-336-0897. It's always a blessing to be with you. I want to welcome all Grace FM listeners along the Front Range in Colorado up into southern Wyoming. And then also I want to welcome you on the East Coast listening in on Hope FM in Pennsylvania in New Jersey and Maryland. And also Truth FM has recently joined us uh, on Calvary Live. So still waiting to get my first call from you guys listening in on Truth FM, and that is in Tennessee and parts of Kentucky and North Carolina. Love to have you guys be a part of the show, and we welcome you to Calvary Live. It's a blessing that you are listening to us. Even though you're a week delay, you can call that number at 303-690-3000. Well, I want to once again start the program with prayer concerning uh, what has happened in Florida, uh, as maybe some of you even driving home right now uh, here in Colorado as you're listening live, uh, maybe you haven't even heard of the events that have taken place, but another school shooting t- uh, that took place uh, in Florida. There's a number of fatalities and those injured. We don't have all the numbers, but it's a tragic event that has taken place. And as evening falls on Florida, I'm sure uh, that there are many that are grieving that are confused, that are hurting, and we want to pray for those families who have lost uh, students. It's an attack on our most innocent resource uh, when we hear that of a school shooting, and so we want to be one um, that is praying for them in Florida. It it just seems like that uh, more and more as I do Calvary Live, then I'm asking that we pray for a tragic event or situation that has taken place. As we see... um, 
what takes place around us. Uh, more and more, uh, uh, there's uh, police shootings uh, that, um, as we've experienced that here in Colorado, uh, with three deputies that have been shot and killed in the line of duty, but not only in, in just recently since the first of the year, but not only here in Colorado, but in Ohio, uh, in Detroit, a uh, couple uh, of uh, police officers have been killed in Detroit. I got a good friend that's a retired police officer of Detroit, and um, he's just really grieving over that situation. And and uh, so it's sad to see that and, and the other things that are taking place. And I just want to read to you um, from Second Timothy chapter 3, and then we're going to go to prayer and uh, give us a call. Grab one of those open lines, 303-690-3000. But it reminds me so much of what is declared, some of the last words of Paul the Apostle in Second Timothy chapter 3, he says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. Not that they might come, not that it's a possibility. Paul did not say that, um, that uh, it's, I hope it doesn't come. He said it's going to come. And it's interesting, that word perilous that he used there in verse 1 is borrowed from Matthew's gospel when Matthew is describing the demoniacs. That You might recall the story that Jesus got in a boat with his disciples. They went over to the area of, of Gadarenes, and we know that, um, that they encountered two demoniacs, and they were exceedingly fierce. That's our word there that Paul uses here in verse 1 of chapter 3. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, and having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. So he's talking about given a description of what our culture and society is going to be like. And I think we're seeing this being more fulfilled today all around us, that there are those who are, are uh, a misdirected love. It's towards self. It is towards um, uh, the things of the world. It is uh, being out of control and brutal, despisers of good. And, and in that chapter, Paul goes on to say, and yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus— will suffer persecution. And part of this show is I want to encourage you to keep running your race, keep fighting the good fight, because I think that as we get closer to the return of the Lord, um, and I believe that we are in the last days, it's going to get difficult for us Christians. But we are here for such a time as this. And I want to encourage you that you can be a light in how that is needed and give truth to others. But you will go through some sort of persecution to some degree. We don't experience like it in other parts of the country, but it is getting worse here. And we are seeing that there are those who are pushing back on Christians and the Christian faith and coming against us. But we want to give truth and be light. And he says evil men and imposters are going to grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Listen that evil men and imposters are going to get worse and worse. And what is it that we're to do? Well, we must continue in the things that you have learned, Paul writes, and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise. Listen, we need to continue in the Word of God, get grounded in the Word of God, 
standing on his promises, standing for righteousness. And that's what I pray that that we as Christians would encourage each other. So let's go to the Lord. Lord, we pray once again of a tragic event that has taken place um, in Florida, a school shooting where many have been hurt. We don't know all the numbers. We don't know the details. But Lord, we do pray for, for those uh, families who have been affected by this, uh, either uh, their sons, their daughters have been hurt, uh, perhaps loss of life, and we pray for your comfort. We pray uh, that you would just minister um, in such a deep sorrow. We pray for the churches. We pray for the chaplains that are there, that you would give them wisdom and strength during this time. And Lord, as we look at the events around this in our nation and in the world, we even see how things are unraveling in the Middle East, and we may not always see it in our news, but Lord, the the birth pangs are here. Uh, What is told to us that it's going to be perilous times in the last days, we are seeing it. So, Lord, I pray that you would just help us as Christians to keep running our race, to keep fighting the good fight, and, Lord, we will experience some sort of persecution, but to be light and to stand in the gap and be watchmen on the wall to give truth, and, Lord, to be a light to others, to to proclaim very boldly and clearly the gospel of Jesus Christ and the love of Jesus Christ, because we know that he is our hope, our only hope for us and for our families and for this nation. I pray for a great awakening in this nation. I pray for our leaders, that there be a turning to you. And Lord, even as we as Christians, the church, that there be a recommitment to the Word of God, there be uh, Christians on their knees praying for our communities and for uh, those that we know that don't know you, that we be praying for our nation. And so, Lord, bless this time right now as we go to the phone lines in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for allowing me to do that. Let's go to Lou in Fort Collins. Lou? Yes. How are you? I'm doing good, Pastor. Um, I... I was struggling with uh, Camelot, Lottery, and I was just wondering um, if there's any scripture that um, will identify that, that I could perhaps read. You, you know, Lou, I, I lost you a little bit on the conversation. You were in and out, but I think I know what you're trying to ask about the Bible having anything to say about gambling being a sin. It as we look at the Bible, what it says about um, how it is that we're to be good stewards of our money, we're to be wise stewards of our money. Matter of fact, the teaching that I just had on Grace FM right before Calvary Live dealt with that. It, it dealt with being faithful in little, and um, and He'll have you be, you know, give you much uh, if you are one that is um, a good steward of. Uh, what we have, and that's what we're to do and be called. And gambling isn't a part of that. Um, gambling is foolish. Um, I've seen people's lives that have been uh, really devastated by gambling. I have known, you know, families that have lost so much because of gambling, and they've lost their savings. Uh, they put even um, themselves into some kind of very difficult situation in owning money. We know that there's crime that can be behind uh, some of the gambling rings and stuff like that. It is not a good thing. Um, and it is something that that I say 
that, um, that we're to stay away from. We're to be good stewards of what God has given to us. Instead of investing in gambling, and it may be you might be thinking of buying a lottery ticket. If you buy a lottery ticket, I, yeah, I, I get that. But here's the thing. The odds are that you're going to get hit by lightning um, before you get the jackpot. Why don't you invest in the kingdom of God? That's what we're to do. And send it ahead and be a good steward of what you have and, and you know, investing um, in your family, uh, in um, the things that, that we have. So that's what I see that the Scripture is very, very clear on, is being a good steward of what God has given to us, and gambling is not a part of that. Okay. Yeah, thank you very much, and God you bless bet, you. You bet, Lou. You, yeah. Thanks for calling. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Three, you bet. 303-690-3000, let's be a good steward of what God has given to us. And, and um, you know, I'm not going to condemn somebody for buying a lottery ticket, but why don't we invest in the things of God? Why don't we invest in heaven? And let me tell you, the returns of that is eternal and uh, are out of this world, as as I say. Let's go to Bryce in Lakewood. Bryce? Hey, how's it going there, Pastor? Good, how are you? Doing well, sir. Nice to meet you and be on air, I guess. Be able to ask Thanks for calling, yeah. Great, super. Um, yeah, man, so I guess jumping into it, I just have a couple questions about, um, one is discipleship. Um, you know, should we be being discipled and discipling others, and what that looks like, kind of, if you had any encouragement in that. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the great needs in the Church today, Bryce, is discipleship, and I think it's very important. I've talked to some of my fellow pastors on that um, about discipleship. One, uh, Dave Love at Calvary Chapel, Castle Rock, and um, he has a discipleship program. We've done discipleship here. Matter of fact, we want to take another step here in encouraging that to take place. But, you know, Jesus said himself to go out to all the nations and make disciples, and that is a commandment that is given to us. And I think that the church, not only do we want to bring people into the kingdom, not only do we want to, to teach. In discipleship, you ask, what does it look like? Well, it should look like as people are coming in on Sundays or Wednesdays, as they're hearing the Word of God, discipleship has taken place. But I also believe that it needs to be taken place one-on-one in groups. Uh, we have a number of things we do. We have a firm foundation class where people come and they're diving into the scriptures and they're being encouraged in their walk. Uh, we have men's studies. We have ladies that meet. Um, and, you know, we've done individuals discipling one another. And then those who are discipled, they go out and begin to disciple others as well. So I think discipleship is very vital for a Christian to be discipled, uh, to be you know taught the Word of God, to be encouraged, to be looking at somebody you know that really is a godly example, and not only knowing the Word of God, but having the Word of God be worked out in their lives. So discipleship takes on different forms, but very critical in a church, I believe, and I think it's very much needed. Today in a church, um, in, in some circles, or perhaps what we're seeing more in our culture is people go to church, they hear a sermon, you know, uh, a nice sermon, and then they leave, and that's pretty much it. And um, I think the way to real growth and encouragement 
is to be discipled. Um, there's discipleship that takes place corporately, and there's discipleship that takes place individually, and both are needed. Cool. Uh, yeah, you know, I guess that's kind of my question on that. Um, you know, and I, I guess overall it probably happens a lot more than we think. Like, I don't know. But, um, yeah, so there's that question, and then I just had a question about, um, I guess, work and uh, and what what we're really called to um, in a big picture sense, I guess. Um, yeah, maybe some encouragement on that. Well, you're looking at work, work for the Lord, just work at a job, you know. Work in Here's general, you know, like, um, that's the thing, is there's a couple sides to it, you know, kind of what we feel we're using yeah. our gifts, I think, and like, you know, what we're right. doing, stuff like that. Yeah, and, you know, Bryce, when you study the Scriptures, what I see is— um, and I think this is very important for the person who wants to be used, that God calls that person, have you ever noticed, who is working? What was Moses doing when he was called of God? He, he was, was hurting sheep. People. Yeah, he was hurting sheep on the backside of the mountain. He had been doing it for 40 years. What was um, you know, David doing when he was called? He was out with yeah. the sheep. Um, what was Elijah doing when he was called to take the mantle of the prophet? He, w- he was there with the oxen. What were the disciples, you know, what were they doing? They were casting nets. They were mending nets. I see that God uses the one that works. And, and work, as I see in Scripture, is something that is good. And I, the reason that I mention that, Bryce, is because sometimes guys will come to me and say, you know, I, I want to be used of God, and they got a lazy streak in them. Um, they're not working. They're not doing what they need to be doing. They're just kind of laying around. And God desires for us to work, to provide for our families. And there are those who are in ministry being used of God that are out there in the oil fields. They're in all kinds of occupations. They're in business. Um, I was saying this about our congregation because uh, it's interesting in Hebrews chapter 4, we are told to rest, but we are to rest in our salvation. But one of the things that, you know, for me, Bryce, when when I grew up, my dad worked. He worked every day, and he taught me to work. He taught me that work was good. Uh, he always had something for us to do as, as, as boys, and sometimes it was taking one stack of bricks on one end of the yard and go restack it on the other end of the yard, you know, things like that. But I really appreciate it. I didn't at the time when I was small, but I appreciated it and um, that work ethic. And, and I love living up here in Greeley because, you know, there are workers here, people that work the land, people that farm and ranch and have businesses. And um, I see the people in our church that are good workers providing for their families and then they carry that into, you know, being faithful and working for the Lord. And we don't work for the Lord in order to get saved or get God's approval. We work for the Lord because we are saved and yeah. and we are forgiven and we have that security. But I really think, Bryce, that, that the Christian should be the best worker um, that he can be or she can be that the employer or the business owner should look at us and say, that is a good worker. They're respectful. They're not 
cheating, you know, me for time. Um, they're worthy of their wages. They're respectful to others. Uh, I think that we should have that reputation um, yeah. and that we should be ones that should give God the very best when we serve him. Um, and whatever ministry that might be, whether that is ushering or working in the nursery or whatever ministry, that we do our very best at it yeah. because we're serving the one who's the very best, right? So I don't know if that's what you're kind of fishing for, Bryce, but that's kind of my take on it. I have a very strong um, feelings about that Christians should be good workers, and yeah. um, it's it's a good work. Yeah, you know, I guess my question then just turns into, you know, I think that is so important and so huge, but then, like, when Moses was called into ministry, and Jesus was called into ministry, and these guys began their ministries, and um, did they go back to fishing, you know what I mean? Like, I think that didn't they just keep going and and serving yeah. and preaching the right. gospel? Because the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable when He calls us to do something, and and everybody's in ministry, Bryce. Um, and sometimes that includes making tents. You know, like Paul the Apostle, mm-hmm. he had to make tents at times when he was in Corinth, but he his his priority was ministering the gospel. We know that, and. We also know that, you know, it was Peter that almost went back to fishing, and the Lord said, no, I'm going to make you fishers of men. But in that ministry that we have, you pointed out something that I think is so critical, and that is that we are to be um, called to that ministry. We don't strive. We don't try to manipulate it. Um, We are called to ministry. And in Luke chapter 16, I I kind of made allusion to it uh, when we started the program, uh, and um, I think it's really important um, that the Lord says, uh, when he's talking about um, being a faithful steward and all that, that he says that that if you're faithful in little, um, he who is faithful in what is least, in chapter 16, verse 10, uh, is faithful also in much. What some have interpreted that to mean, Bryce, is if you're faithful in little things, he'll give you greater things to do. That's not exactly what is being said there. He's saying that if you're faithful in um, in what is least, that is the little things that we do, that, you know, hey, I worked in nursery, what's the big deal about that, you know, if I show up or not? Yeah, well, it no, is I a big deal. It's fine. I guess yeah. it's just that calling, you know, once someone's called to something, and then, you know, right. what then goes into calling, and I think, you know, as we spend time with the Lord and we realize that He's, like, all that we want, you know, we get gravitated towards, like, who He is, and then it's like, I really feel strongly that He reveals who we are, like, we have that freedom to go and choose, you know, and, and take that path. Um, right. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's tricky, you know? Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's, yeah, it can be, but... Um, you know, for me, here, Bryce, I think you're kind of on a subject that um, when I got into ministry, I came up through the trenches. Um, mm. I was at church. Um, you know, the Calvary Chapel down there was small. It was growing. I went in and I cleaned the church. I, you know, did—I went shopping. Somebody's got to go and buy the toilet paper, you know, yeah, and the know, coffee. Yeah, you know, there's so many ways to serve. Yeah, you know? to serve. I think that's, that's, that's a really it, beautiful part. Yeah, and and to serve in that way, you know, turn on the lights, I come in and unlock, and God just, you know, if you're faithful in the least, which is important to God, 
then he'll you'll be faithful in the much. And I think mm-hmm. it's just the Lord guiding you and teaching you. And, um, you know, next thing I was an assistant pastor and then coming up to Greeley to start a church. But it's all the Lord, you know, guiding you and directing you and just being mm-hmm. open to the open door that he has for you. Um, sure. And as Revelation chapter 3, he opens doors that no man shuts and he shuts doors that no man can open. Mm-hmm. And um, Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, Go ahead, I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I just kind of, you know, like, there's some people who might not understand uh, what what ministry is, or, you know, they don't even necessarily have a relationship with Christ, maybe. Um, and so, in the first stages of ministry, I, I believe that there's kind of a part where, um, you know, you're you're reaching out towards that direction, and it's not necessarily solidified quite a way, you know? Um, yeah, and and I think you're on the right that track because you know what I mean. Yeah, exactly. Because I tell people, put away your agendas, just put it mm-hmm. away, just do what God has called you to do, and He's going to get you to where you are to be, and sure. being confident that He will complete that work that He's begun. Philippians chapter one verse six, and you can just rest in that and. He's the one that's going to, you know, direct you day by day, step by step, moment by moment. And it's wonderful to see him do that and to work in that way. And I love that he uses the foolish and weak things of the world. And yeah. that means he wants to use all of us. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, you know, I guess that's there's a lot of angles to it all. Um, but, you know, for the most part, that's the clear thing is as we see Christ, like he'll direct us and, Right. You know, I think sometimes I think if Christ was here, he would be living differently, you know, like he would be going out and serving, you know, and just making things happen that way and just building relationships with people, you know, and doing like Bible study and stuff like that. But well, yeah. I guess it w- he, would me- he would mesh in, in into the culture as well. So that might be look like working a job and living yeah. that, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah, he well he he was a carpenter and he had callous tans. Um, Until he went into it. ministry, and then he was called to do his father's business. But you know, mm-hmm. Bryce, the thing is, is um, he the Lord will guide us and direct us. And he was yeah. he came as Mark, you know, gospels to show us that he was the perfect servant, and. Mm-hmm. Um, that he said that I came not to be served, but be the servant of all. And then he, he demonstrates that. And um, he washed feet, and that was his ministry. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thanks, Bryce. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. You know, if I have some more questions or things like that, is there a place that I could maybe call or uh, reach out to? Yeah, absolutely. You can email me. It's just, it's very simple. Pastor Jeff at C.C. Greeley, Greeley is G-R-E-E-L-E-Y, dot com. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. And we have a website with my my email on it, and so, yeah, just sure. reach out and, and well, love to you encourage so you. Okay, thank Bryce, you God bless time. you. You bet. Have a great have afternoon. Have a good day. All right. 303-690-3000, we have open lines. Give me a call. Love to answer your questions or pray with you. Uh, I am Jeff Figs. We're getting ready to go to a break. I know Michael's waiting, and we'll pick up Michael on the other end of the break, but 
Uh, I think it's really important for those of us who desire to serve the Lord, and, and the Lord wants to use us, is that he desires for us to just wait on him and to grow and to just allow him to work in our lives. And that ministry might be that, uh, moms, you are raising those little rascals that you have those children that are so beautiful uh, in the ways of the Lord. You might be uh, taking care of your elderly parents. You might be uh, ministering to where you're, you're ministering at church. Um, but he desires to use all of us in that way. Hey, we've had a great first half of Calvary Live. We're going to go to break. We'll be right back. And stay tuned to Calvary Live. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back to the second half of Calvary Live. This is Jeff Biggs from Calvary Chapel Greeley. Taking your questions and your prayer requests, give me a call at 303-690-3000. Love to talk to you about the things of the Lord. Maybe you have some questions about the Bible or Christian living, and maybe you have prayer requests. I'd love to pray with you and minister to you uh, and serve you in any way that I can here on the show. And we've had uh, Michael that's been waiting online. So, Michael, welcome to the program. Michael, you with us? Yes, sir. How are you today, Michael? I am going through a rough patch right now, Pastor. How can we pray for you? I I am tired of my life the way it is going, sir. Um, and I'm fairly sure most of it's my fault because I... I have forgotten my first love, and I'm tired of fighting because if I'm not, if I'm, if I'm correct, I'm trying to fight my own lack of strength or ability, and I'm just, I'm just very tired right now. It can't be tiring when we go through a rough time, Michael. You know, one verse that I want to give to you, and you probably know it but I'm going to give it to you anyway from Matthew chapter 11, that Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'll take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And so that's that invitation once again to come to him. But also, Michael, you mentioned about um, you know leaving your first love. And... Revelation chapter 2 very specifically talks about what happens when we leave our first love. It's not that we lost it, but we left it. And he says, what you're to do is remember from where you have fallen, repent and do the works. So what you're to do is just remember his love for you. Remember what it was like when you first came to him. And then also um, to, um, to turn and then go do those first works and to call out to him and go to him personally and to be reading your Bible. So we want to pray for you, Michael, and um, and um, 
I can hear it in your voice. I could hear it yesterday as you called uh, that you're tired and and uh, burdened, and Jesus is your answer, and He desires to minister to you in that way. All right. When you, when you, pastor, when you pray for me, there's something else. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've got some other things going on in my in my life right now. Uh, I'm going to run out of the money out of money to function on before the end of the month. I've got another bill I still have to pay, and I'm not asking for money from anybody. I believe God can, as as He would be willing to do it or not. I believe God can do anything, and these are needs that have to be met. I mean, particularly this bill, and then just running out of money to function on because I live I'm, I'm on limited income, and. I just need prayer for Absolutely. these needs right now. Absolutely. Yes. Also. Yeah, and Father, I do pray for Michael, and he's tired. He um, He's just downtrodden. It's like David who said in the soul, Psalms, why you cast down, O my soul? And I can sense it in Michael's um, voice. And Lord, um, one of the burdens that he has is that uh, he has bills. Um, he needs those bills to be met. I pray that you would uh, meet those needs, that you would just reaffirm your love to him, that you're with him. You promise you never leave us or forsake us, that we can rest in your promises, that you give him that rest that he needs as he looks to you and trusts in you, that you will supply all our needs in Christ Jesus, that you would work powerfully that um, you would show yourself strong in his behalf, that you would encourage him, Lord. He needs that encouragement. He needs that strength. And, Lord, uh, that he would go to you um, because you're the one um, that is gentle, lowly in heart, and you're the one that gives rest in our souls. So I pray that for Michael. I pray that he would just uh, find it in you as he goes to you, even though he's tired, even though he's discouraged that, Lord, that you would minister to his heart right now and meet his needs in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Keep me updated, Michael. All right, keep me updated, all right? Can I pray for you real quick? Absolutely. Father, I pray for Pastor Pastor Figs, for Jeff. I pray, God, for his church, for his family, for for him to be strong, continue to be strong in you. Because no, I know that pastors are not supermen. They're like everybody else. They have their time, their moments too, and things get hard to deal with. I pray God you just keep him lifted up and meet all of his needs and his family's needs and the needs of his church. And I pray God that he will continue to be faithful in you in all things. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Michael. Stay strong, buddy. Uh, working on a pastor, or, or rather, with God. Working with God. With Stay God. Strong. Amen. All right. All right. We'll, talk, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Let's go to Stella in Aurora. Stella? Yes. Hi. How are you today? I'm doing fine, thank you. Good. I have I have a question. And, um, uh-huh. I just want... I, I have a question here, and I wanted to know about the rapture... It says in the Bible and the, about the rapture that that uh, we will be taken up 
okay? I wanted right. to know if it's the... Uh, I keep seeing these movies where <laughs> bodies are left behind and everything, and, and yeah. but I, what I want to know what the Bible says specifically on this, if it's our our body or our soul. I thought it was our soul that was going to be taken up. No. It's what Paul is talking about, and you're very wise in saying, I want to know what the Bible has to say. And he's talking about the resurrection. The resurrection is someday we're going to get new heavenly bodies. And and Paul talks about that, touches on the rapture in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But what he says uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, um, he says that, in verse 13, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Um, so he's talking about those who have died. He's talking about the resurrection. Um, and he says, for the Lord himself, in verse 16, will descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together. That's that snatching away. It's the uh, Greek word harpazo, where we get the Latin word rapturus, where we get our English word rapture. There are those who say the word rapture isn't in the Bible. Well, it is in the Latin Bible. And we're going to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. And he says, comfort one another with these words. So there's going to be a time, Paul, when he's writing in First the uh, Corinthians chapter 15, as he's writing about the resurrection, he's talking about that um, that our bodies are going to be resurrected. Um, the body is sown in corruption and is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness and is raised in power. So again, talking about that time where when we die, our bodies sleep. For the time, but not our spirit, not our souls, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. Still, another reference that you might look at and study is Second Corinthians chapter five. Paul's talking about the same thing. He gives a very wonderful promise. He said to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. So when we die, take our last breath, our spirit goes to be with Jesus. We are with Him, but our bodies sleep. And then at the rapture of the church, those bodies are going to be resurrected first, and then there's going to be a generation of Christians that are going to be uh, taken and resurrected. Uh, We're not going to go through that process of dying. We're going to meet the Lord in the air. And he says that's going to happen in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 52, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. So the rapture of the church is a generation that is going to be taken, and then um, we're all going to have our new heavenly bodies. So it is a physical taking of the believer at the rapture of the church. Does that help, Stella? Uh, Yeah, so in other words, it's our... Um, when we're taken, it's going to be our body that's taken, being Christ, right? Yeah, we're going to meet the Lord in the air. That's the rapture of the church. So we're going to get those new... Yeah, that's the rapture of the church. When it comes to, Stella, where people get confused, uh, when it comes to the return of the Lord, there's two distinct events. Uh, 
There is the rapture of the church, where he comes for his church. Then at the second coming of Jesus Christ that will take place at the end of the tribulation period, he comes with his church. You can read Revelation chapter 19, that when Jesus Christ comes back, literally, physically, touches down on the Mount of Olives, that we're going to come back with him. So there's two distinct events when it comes to the return of the Lord. The first one, I believe, is the rapture of the church that's going to take place before that final seven-year period called the tribulation period. Matter of fact, still on Wednesday night, we got church tonight, and we're going to be reading Isaiah chapter 24 that talks about that tribulation period where God is pouring out his wrath on a Christ-rejected world. That is in Revelation chapter 6 through 18. But then, at the end of that seven-year period, we're going to come back with him. And so the rapture, I believe, is going to take place before the tribulation period begins. Okay. And, the, and well, that answered a lot for me. Thank you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know, Stella, yeah, it, I threw a lot at you in about three minutes. I know. And, yeah. <laughs> but keep studying it, and it'll start to make sense. I think the, the resurrection is a confusing concept to a lot of Christians, partly because there's a, a doctrine that floats around out there of soul sleep that we're going to you know, be sleeping until the rapture of the church, our soul, our spirit. That's not biblical, because when we die right now, we're going to go home to be with the Lord, but our bodies are going to sleep in the ground. It's like I've done many funerals, and the body's there in the coffin, it gets laid in the ground until the rapture of the church, if they're a believer. Then they're going to be raptured. Um, they're going to be resurrected, that body, and um, that which is corruptible will be incorruptible. So it's kind of a hard concept how that all works and everything, mm-hmm. but it's the truth, and it's going to be wonderful. And Stella, when I get my new body, no more aches and pains and all of that. No more sickness and disease. It's going to be wonderful. Yes, hallelujah. I'm looking forward to hallelujah. that. Hallelujah. Yeah. So anyway, I hope that helps. I appreciate you calling. Good question. Okay, thank you. I appreciate you bet, that. You bet, Stella. God bless you. 303-690-3000 is the number to call, and would love to hear from you. You know, it's interesting. I was looking at the text line. And nobody has texted in that I've seen. Maybe I'll need to refresh this and see if anything's come in. Ah, there is somebody that texts in. But there is a text uh, line that you can text in a question. We've got some time left in the show. And uh, that number is 720 336 0897. 720 336 0897. Let's go to Bobby in Thornton. Bobby? Hello, Pastor. How are I got you? a question. I think it's a, a two two part question. Um, back in the day when Jesus was uh, going around and doing things, when he turned the water into wine, I, my question is: It was back then was wine an alcoholic drink? You know, and if so, and if so, right. when I go to a wedding now, is it okay to have a glass of wine? Yeah, and. That's a, that's a good question, and that's something that there's all kinds of papers written on it and thesis. There's nothing to indicate that back in that time that wine was not fermented. Uh, 
Um, and there was the drinking of wine. Um, matter of fact, Paul told Timothy um, that take a little wine for your stomach. And and sometimes, you know, they didn't have uh, fresh water like what we do a lot of times. You know, the water can be kind of bad and make people sick. So right. at times wine was, was used uh, to, to help with that and stuff like that. Um, and so here's the thing. What the Bible does prohibit is drunkenness, to be filled with wine. So there's some liberty that is there. There's some liberty with the believer that, you know, you go to a wedding, there's champagne, you have a toast, you know, you have that. But what the Bible does warn against is being filled with wine. Um, Ephesians chapter 5 um, talks about that. Paul says that, um, that do not be drunk with wine, which is the dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. In other words, we don't want to be under the influence of anything that's going to affect our minds. And we see the illustration of that actually in Leviticus chapter 10. What happened in that chapter is two of the priests, Nabat and Abihu, ran into the Holy of Holies, into the inner sanctuary, when they were dedicating the tabernacle there in the wilderness. And they were consumed by fire. The Lord comes to Aaron, their father, and says, Aaron... You and your other two sons, when you go into the Holy of Holies, it's important that you're not intoxicated with wine. Uh, in other words, the indication was is that Nabat and Abihu were intoxicated with wine, wanted to get involved you know, in this holy happening, let um, profane fire. You know, There's a lot of lessons that are in there for us. But it was the Lord that said, Aaron, you don't want to be intoxicated with wine, so you can discern what is holy and unholy. Right. So, so basically, we need, almost in a like a celebration, it's okay to have like a social drink, not to get drunk, but to basically congratulate the bride and the groom or whatever yeah. uh, might be happening at the time. Yeah, and there are those who feel at liberty to be able to do that. Right. For me, pers- for me personally, um, for. 1 Timothy chapter 3, the Bible tells me as an overseer, as a bishop, as an elder, as a pastor, I'm not to be given to wine. So I can't do that in faith. Um, To me, I won't drink wine. I I won't particularly, especially, I'm not going to do it in public because just because of my position, I could really stumble somebody. But for a lot of people, they feel like they have the liberty to be able to do that. And um, and so, um, you know, that's, that's something that they're free to do. Um, and for me, Paul talks about, you know, don't eat meat offered to idols to stumble the weaker brother. Um, I'm instructed not to do that. But I think the main line for most people is, and the main uh, concept is don't be filled with wine. And, um, okay. the sin of so, I mean, you, you don't do it because you don't think it's, Right in your in your uh, position that you are in to do it. What about yeah. the Catholic priest when they when they break the bread and is that wine that they're drinking? You know, if I remember, because I grew up in the Catholic Church, I, I think that it is. So um, you know that they do com- for communion, but you got to remember right. that the Catholic doctrine is they believe that it turns to blood and and you know that it's actually the blood of Jesus and. Um, that it's the body of Jesus being broken as he 
breaks the wafer. Um, right. So that's how they see it. But, you know, for me, that's my conviction, and that's for me as a pastor. But right. there are those who have liberty, and if I see somebody having a glass of wine, it doesn't stumble me. Um, when uh, when Jesus uh, drank the wine and told the apostles, drink from this, you know, as far as it being the, the blood of yeah. his, you know, so it, was that basically wine, or was it you have to, I mean— you have to assume it was wine, you right, know. Right. You have to, to assume that it was. And there are those who, you know, like I said, there's all kinds of papers on it and stuff. But right. And I, it's funny because I, I don't drink. It was just a question that I yeah. wonder if wine was actually made with alcohol back then, whether it was light or not. It still had a little bit of alcohol in it. Yeah. And that yeah. was, I kind of like, I when I go to weddings now, I make a toast and I'll have, I mean, half the time I'll, I'll do a sip just to say yeah. congratulations. Sure. It's almost like when in sure. Rome do what the Romans do. So I guess, yeah, that was my question, and, you know, I'm glad that yeah. you gave me the answer. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and where I see where it gets the problem when you're filled with that's what happened clear back with Noah, you know, after right, the flood. Right. What, what did he do? He had a vineyard, and, and next thing you know, he's making wine, and that was for a minute because uh, he ended up being drunk in the tent, and it just brought problems. And uh, so, but there are those who have the liberty, they feel like, you know, they can have wine and they enjoy it. And that's part of the social setting. And, and um, in some cultures, you know, like in Germany, um, you know, uh, or other places, you know, drinking of beer is kind of a big social thing. But I think we get in the problem. Well, I know we do. Um, As the Bible says, don't be drunk with it. We don't want our minds to be under the influence of anything that... um, is other than the Holy Spirit. Right. Okay, well, thank you for your, your comments on yeah, that, good. and I appreciate it. You have a great day. You too, Bobby. Great question. Alrighty. Bye. All right. Let's go to Laura in Baltimore. Laura? Hi. Hi, thanks for taking my call. You bet. Um, yeah, I was listening to the program, and there was a discussion on praying for the dead. And... Uh-huh. Um, I thought I remember something about Jewish people. They have a prayer. It's called Kaddish or something like that, where they do pray for the dead. You know, and I'm not aware it, of it. So, Yeah, um, this is something that I heard of, and since Jesus is Jewish, he probably would have done that, right? Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything about it, but, you know, in that discussion that, um, you know, people are asking, you know, can we pray for the dead? Mm-hmm. And there's nothing in Scripture that indicates that whatsoever. And um, and, and what is interesting, I think, let me look at Luke chapter 16, in that we see this kind of this, um, this um, thing being played out. There's a debate whether it's actually a parable or it's actually Jesus is telling a true story. Mm-hmm. But do you know um, the parable of the rich man and Lazarus? Yes how the rich man went to that compartment of the unrighteous um, or the place of torment. um, And then there was Lazarus was in Abraham's bosom. But what is interesting is um, that he's asking, he said, you know, send Lazarus over here to dip some water on my tongue. I'm I'm in torment here. And Mm -hmm. Abraham says, no, you can't, you can't pass. Then he says, I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest also they come 
to this place of torment. And Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. Mm-hmm. And he said, No, Father Abraham, if one goes to them from the dead, they will not repent. But he said to them, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. So he's talking about, you know, hey, can I go back? Um, the answer that is given to him by Abraham is they have the word of God. Mm-hmm. And that's what they have. And it's appointed once for man to die, Hebrews 9 tells us, then mm-hmm. the judgment. So um, I don't okay. know if that's a Jewish custom or what it is. Mm-hmm. And part of the problem too, Laura, is, you know, I grew up in a Catholic church and mm-hmm. there's a doctrine that, you know, those who go to purgatory, where there's nothing in the Bible about purgatory at all. Right. It's, right, ma- right. it's made up. And right. to pray for your, you know, dead relatives to get out of purgatory or whatever. Right. It's too, it, it's too late at that time. And because it's appointed once for man to die, then the judgment. And that's really kind of what this this story that Jesus is telling us there in Luke chapter 16, that here is this rich man who's not named, who's in this place of torment, and he's going to be there. Um, so it's, it's you know, eternal, um, you know, torment, and we right. know that 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 takes place. So that's why there needs to be an urgency with us right. to be given the gospel now and praying for those now. So now, now um, Hebrews, so that was Saint Paul, right? That wrote Hebrews. Yep. Yeah. Most believe that it was Paul, but we don't have a definite answer on that. There's a debate. Okay. Most scholars believe it was Paul. Some okay. say perhaps. Barnabas, some say it was Apollos. So Okay. So when you said that okay. he was pulling on some sort of old testament doctrine. Well he said, well here's here's the thing to always remember that um that Second Timothy chapter three verse sixteen tells us that all scripture is inspired by God. Mm-hmm. That is it's God breathed and it is profitable for doctrine, for correction for reproof, for instruction in righteousness. So okay. Hebrews, being a part of the canon of Scripture, mm-hmm. that is, you know, God breathed, all of it, from Genesis 1 to Revelation twenty two twenty one. Okay. So, yeah, and um, so Paul, if he was, and chances are that he was the writer of Hebrews, telling us that very clearly there in that epistle. Okay. Any other questions? No, thank you for taking my question. Thank you. You bet, and thanks for calling in. It's great to hear you guys listening out there on the East Coast. Yes, and you've been hopefully saying prayers for what happened in Florida. Yeah, yeah, we need to keep praying. We need to be praying for our nation, and and it's it's perilous times, Laura. Yes, yes, yes. Let's keep praying. All right, you have a great evening. Thanks, you too. We're getting to the end of the show. I do want to let you know we have church tonight here at Calvary Chapel Greeley, and we are going to be looking at Isaiah chapter 24. We are going to be talking about the tribulation period and um, that tribulation period and and what's going to take place, that final seven-year period right before uh, the second coming of Jesus Christ or actually leads up to the second coming of Jesus Christ. So there's a lot to talk about, and I don't know if you realize this, uh, but 
the tribulation period is the most documented period of uh, that is in the Bible, uh, period of time. And it is a seven-year period where uh, lots is happening that is told to us in detail in Revelation chapter 6 through 18. And also, I just want to encourage you, because we had a question on the, the, the rapture of the church today, that Jesus would say this, and we need to be watching, uh, but take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing and drunkenness and cares of this life, that that day, that is the day of the Lord, uh, which includes the tribulation period, come on you unexpectedly, for it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. And so we are to be watching, we are to be praying, because the Lord can come for us at any time, and he says there's a way to escape, and that is to be counted worthy. And to be counted worthy, that is be a believer in Jesus Christ. Come to him. And I pray that all that are listening, that that um, you would be a testimony of God's truth and the gospel. And if you're listening, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. He loves you. He went to the cross and died for you. He rose from the grave. He is your salvation. And so come to him, give your life to him, call out to him. He loves you. Hey, thanks for today's program. It's a pleasure being with you. Have a great evening and hope to see you tonight. Those of you in the Greeley area at seven o'clock for Bible study. God bless you. been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.